Well, today we begin a new series. As we begin this new year, 2021, I felt like we should look into this series called Heaven. And um, I want to point out just some resources that um, I'm using as we walk through this series. And first and foremost, the number one book that I want to use during this series is right here, okay? And so I'm trying to go through the scriptures with you, show you different perspectives that I've come to know as far as what heaven was like, what it is now, what it's going to be like. And what's important to know is that heaven has not necessarily been the same throughout all of history. And that might shock a few of us. And when I was a kid, I always thought just heaven was heaven. Right? And that's always what it was. And as I grew into adulthood and began to search things out for myself, I realized that heavens kind of look different throughout history. And we're going to break some of those things down in this series this month. Another resource that we want to just highlight to you is um, this book called Heaven, written by the author Randy Alcorn. And this book is available in the library. Currently, I'm using the one from the library. But um, this book, we ended up purchasing about 10 of these that we'll have available for purchase here, make things easier for folks. You can also just go online and purchase this book, okay? It's about a good 300 and some pages long, and there's many things you can look in there that Randy Alcorn guides you in the scriptures on. There's a condensed version of that, okay? And this is a little resource booklet, Biblical Answers to Common Questions About Heaven. This is a resource that we offer at funerals. And um, we actually were wiped out this year. And um, during that service of hope, we actually had all the rest of these resources go out into the hands of people. And so we're in the process of ordering more. But when you see these on our welcome desk, especially through this series, you are free to take this resource. No cost to you, just simply as a way to bless you. Just this understanding of heaven. In the back of this book, Randy Alcorn actually addresses, how do you get to heaven? And so this could be a great ministry resource if there's somebody you know in your life that would be blessed by this. There's also a kid's version of this book. We'll also have that available as we get those in uh, when the orders arrived. When you picture heaven, what do you see? What are your thoughts that come to mind when somebody said, what's heaven like? What are some of the first things that you think of? You know, many people have ideas of what heaven is like, but what does the Bible have to say about it? And that's my hope as we walk through this series, as we'll unpack those things in the scriptures. And so before we begin, I just want to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into this first message entitled, Heaven Right Now. So will you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promise and the hope of heaven. I thank you that you made a way that we can spend eternity with you. And Lord, as we walk through this message today, I ask for your grace in delivering this message, the thing that you have pressed upon my heart to share today. I pray that the scriptures would come alive, that you'd speak hope into our hearts and lives. We thank you now for this time, Lord. We ask your spirit to move in Jesus' name. Amen. So with this message entitled Heaven Right Now, I think it's important to give us a little bit of a timeline of uh, some things that have happened throughout history. 
Like I said, heaven hasn't always looked the same, nor is it going to look the same in the future. And so let me break this down for you. And there might be some moments in this message where I'm going to get some looks. I got some looks last night. Just, man, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. Pastor Russ, are you sure about that? And I just want to tell you as I walk through this, I'm presenting to you what I see in Scripture. Okay? And I want to feed you guys God's Word, but... The Bible talks about the Berean believers and that when the apostles would preach, the Berean believers would go back and they would study the scriptures for themselves. You need to study the scriptures for yourself, not just take my word for it. Okay? So, but let's walk through a little bit of a timeline of what heaven looked like and understanding that at the very beginning when God created everything, it was perfect. It was perfect. And then a rebellion took place, and consequences came in to the equation. One of those consequences was death. And so there's this place that has been established called Sheol, or Hades, known as the place of the dead, or the waiting place. And we're going to break these things down, but then Jesus comes to this earth. He lives a perfect life. He pays the penalty for sin with his life on the cross, and he dies, and when he rises again, he has the victory. And so what's heaven like now in the midst of all of that? So let's start here with creation. Okay, in Genesis chapter 1, one thing we note about creation is that God creates humans, and what's unique about humans is they're created in God's image, and we're, com- we're created with a capacity for a relationship, for fellowship with Him. God desires to have a relationship with you. And we're also created to glorify God. Isaiah 43, 7 gives us that truth. The reason why you're created, the reason why you draw breath day in and day out is to give God glory. That is why you've been created. That's the truth of God's Word. So creation, perfect. You think about living a life in fellowship with God, unhindered by sin. That sounds like heaven to me. And God created this paradise, this place in which we can live and enjoy creation. There's a problem that takes place, and the problem is rebellion. And so in heaven, Satan, who was an angel an angel that led worship unto God, decides to take that worship unto himself. And when that happens, he's booted out of heaven. And the Bible tells us that a third of the angels went with him. So there's this rebellion that takes place with Satan and demons, these fallen angels. Isaiah 14, 12, how you are fallen from heaven. You have been thrown down to the earth. And Luke 10, 18, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven. That's straight from Jesus' mouth. In Revelation 12, verse 4, talking about Satan, it says that his tail swept away one-third of the stars, stars referring to angels. There's a rebellion that takes place, Satan and his army, a third of the angels, are kicked out of heaven. 
Well, if you know Genesis chapter 3, there's a moment in which Satan comes as a snake and deceives Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. And she takes part in that and gives to Adam. And sin enters into the world. And this curse of sin enters into the world. And with that curse comes death. Death was not a part of the creation story. But once sin enters into the equation, now you have death and you have to deal with that in some way, shape, or form. Romans 5.12 says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Just so that we're all on the same page, can you just raise your hand if you're a sinner? Okay. We're all sinners, which means death comes to all of us because of the sin issue. And so there's this place called Sheol, also called Hades. And this is where you can get some looks, because this isn't exactly like, you know, the Sunday school material here. Okay, and sometimes there can be some confusing things, because when I see Hades, I automatically think of hell. But Sheol, or Hades, this place of the dead, this waiting place, has two locations. And one location would be known as paradise, or Abraham's side, or the blessed side. And the other side would be known as hell, or the suffering side. And there's this chasm in between. And I want to point this out to you when Jesus tells us the truth of this place in Luke chapter 16. And I'm going to read this to you starting in verse 19. Jesus says there's a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. And as Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. What I think is interesting here, and I've heard this throughout my lifetime and in my ministry, is that when people take their final breath, they're ushered into heaven. Well, who would you be ushered by? And when I read Luke 16, I think angels come and usher you into the kingdom of God if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the rich man also died, and he was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. And there in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm that is separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least 
Send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. You get a glimpse here of this place called Sheol, this place called Hades. Two locations, one on the blessed side, one on the suffering side. This place of the dead, this waiting place. But then Christ comes to this earth, lives the perfect life, dies on the cross, and something changes in that location. And I want to walk us through this. First off, Christ proclaims his victory to the place of the dead. And one of those verses is 1 Peter 3, verse 19, where it says that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. And when some people look at that, they think, now wait a second, did Christ go down to Sheol, the place of the dead, and give people a second chance to be with him for eternity? And the answer to that is no. You will not find that teaching in Scripture. You do not get any other chances once you've crossed from this life to the next. What you do with Jesus now matters. Because when you take your final breath, there is no going back. So that word preached means he proclaimed. If you break that word down in the Greek language, Christ went to the place of the dead to proclaim his victory. And in Colossians 2, verse 15, the Bible says that Jesus shamed Satan and the demons publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Christ proclaims his victory, and in Ephesians 4, it talks about how Christ led captivity captive, and then he gave gifts to the church. And I want to read this to you. Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 9. The Bible says that God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives. He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. The New King James Version says to the lower parts of the earth. And the same one who descended is the same one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. So I give you that backdrop to understand where it was and where it is now. And heaven right now is in this intermediate state, and we'll describe that as we go. But heaven is a place with God's presence. It's a place without the presence of sin. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to going to heaven. And we'll walk through a few of the aspects of heaven. When people die right now, today, they go one of two places. They either go to heaven 
or they go to this place called Sheol that only has one location, and that's hell. And like I said earlier, there's no ability to change your location once you take your final breath. What you do with Christ here on earth matters. Another thing to address is some people think that when you die, that your soul goes to sleep until your resurrection. And that's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. I mean, how many of you ever had a surgery before or you took a nap and all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, wow, that much time transpired. It felt like five minutes. Some people think that when you die, your soul goes to sleep and then you'll wake up again at the resurrection. But that's not true. The Bible makes it clear that there's a consciousness that's going on after you pass away. Your spirit is eternal. Your body might die, but then your spirit leaves your body at death. And while we address that, understanding that our bodies will go one of two places, but our resurrection won't have taken place. Our resurrection is coming, and I'm going to address this later on in the series. There's a resurrection for the righteous where their spirits will be reunited with their bodies that remained on this earth. There's also going to be a resurrection for those who are wicked. And they'll be reunited with their bodies. But it's not like you're going to sleep and you won't be conscious. And it's not like you get eliminated either. Like some people think, well, I just get thrown into the lake of fire and I cease to exist. That view is called annihilationism and it's not biblical. And one of the reasons why I say it's not biblical is because at the very end when you see Satan thrown into the lake of fire, it says he'll be tormented day and night. It's not that he ceased to exist. There's a consciousness, whether you're in heaven or hell, and that consciousness is for eternity. So we have these spirits in bodily form or these temporary bodies, I can't exactly tell you. I've not been to heaven yet. But I know that we don't have our resurrected bodies yet. But we are in heaven. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now why would that be gain? Because he's going to heaven. If I'm going on living in the body... This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? He goes, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In Ecclesiastes 12, 7, the Bible says the dust returns to the ground it came from and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. When you take your final breath, your spirit will depart from your body. And again, I can't say this enough, it will go one of two places. There's no other location besides those two. That maybe you sit in this waiting cell and if people do things for your behalf on earth, somehow you'll maybe hop into heaven. That's not in Scripture. It's heaven or hell. 
So while we're talking about our bodies, I do think it's important to make sure that we understand something that can get confused in our culture, in our world, and even in the church. And that's when we die and go to heaven, we do not become angels. Oftentimes you'll hear people, heaven gained another angel today. That's not true. And I know we're trying to seek comfort and solace in those times when we lose a loved one, but that's not what the Bible teaches. You know, angels were created by God, and a third of them have their fate sealed. And the other two-thirds work for God, and their job is to serve the humans that God created. You think of that verse in Psalm 91 that God will command his angels concerning us to guard us wherever we will go. And I think, you know, the day I take my final breath, will a couple of angels come and grab my hands and usher me into the glory. But you do not become an angel when you die. And I can see why people would think that. I mean, we're fascinated by the spiritual realm. It's supernatural. We're intrigued by it. We think angels fly around, right? Well, when I depart from my body, I'm going to be flying. We sang that earlier. I'll fly away. right? I don't have my bodily form anymore. I've got this spiritual body. Off I go. Our immediate thought is, you're an angel. But that's not true. That's not biblical, and I do think it's important to just make sure we're aware of that as that's brought into the church, this understanding that you know, somehow we've changed into something that we're not. Jesus does address the Sadducees when they talk to him about marriage in heaven, and he says our bodies will be like angels, but he doesn't say we're going to be angels. So what is heaven like right now? What are some qualities or aspects of heaven? Well, I want to start with something that when Jesus was on the cross, there were two other individuals that were also hanging there with him. These two individuals actually were criminals. Jesus was not. And one of these criminals, his heart was softening towards Christ. And he began to reach out to Jesus in faith. And he gave his life to Christ. And Jesus tells him, Today you will be with me in paradise. That when those two would take their final breath that criminal was also going to be where Jesus was. And when Jesus says paradise, I think it's interesting to note the language behind that word paradise. It means like a park or a forest or like an orchard. Now, can you imagine that cranked up with how God creates things? Today you're going to be with me in paradise. Can you picture the scenery? Imagine one of the greatest places you've ever gone where you see God's creation. The scenery is going to be unbelievable. You think, what's God's orchard like? How big's the fruit? I know I've seen different studies and theories about what plants and trees and things like that were like in the pre-flood world before the flood came. And I've heard about tomatoes that are just massive. And somebody said last night, you imagine the canning process. 
I don't know if we'll be canning in heaven. Unless you enjoy that hobby and you love to worship the Lord in that hobby. But that leads me to my next point is that we are going to worship in heaven. We're going to worship God. And it's not just singing songs and praises. We worship beyond just the singing of songs. Heaven is not going to be a never-ending choir practice. So if you're like not big on singing and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm just excited about heaven. I'm not a big singer. Well, guess what? There's more to heaven than just singing. Heaven is not a never-ending sermon. Praise the Lord from Pastor Paul. But heaven's going to have aspects of worship because worship comes from the heart. It's not just singing songs. We're going to be serving in heaven. And as we serve, we worship the Lord as we serve. There's going to be fellowship with one another. There's worship in fellowship. There's worship in hospitality. You're going to be inviting people over to your little section of heaven. Think of those things. We also worship the Lord with our hobbies. What are some things that we might be doing up there in heaven? It will all center around worship. It's more than just singing or a Bible study. We're going to be doing life together. And I should say we're going to be doing eternal life together. We're going to be worshiping together. Other aspects of the scenery of heaven may include the new city, the holy city, that's called the New Jerusalem. And I've always kind of thought that the New Jerusalem was something that's sort of reserved for the very end. And when you hear this series, and I talk about all things new, the Bible talks about the New Jerusalem coming down from heaven, and it will be on this earth. And it wasn't until this last week that I got to thinking, what if that city already exists? And it's there in heaven right now. Or there are some aspects of that city. So when we talk about streets of gold and pearly gates, and yes, those things could very well be in heaven right now. But a lot of times when we reference those things, we're referencing the new Jerusalem that we'll touch on at the end of this series. But the scenery is going to be spectacular, and I think there's things that you and I can only dream about. That song, I can only imagine. What's going to be in heaven. So understanding that heaven right now is in an intermediate state. It's this period between when our earthly lives end and when we get our resurrected bodies and we transition to a new earth. And so with that understanding, I want to help us understand when people say, I'm going to heaven and we have this heaven right now and heaven's going to be changing in the future when Jesus returns, when he sets up his kingdom here on this earth, when he makes all things new. We're going to be unpacking all of that this month. But the purpose of this series is to help us understand the promises that God has for those who are in Christ, the hope that we have. So I want to give you an example, an example from this book called Heaven from Randy Alcorn, and I'm going to kind of shape it 
for our purposes today. But I want you to imagine if you lived in northwest Iowa. Can you just imagine that with me for a second? Probably hard. But I want us to imagine that you live actually, though, in a homeless shelter. You don't have a home. And the conditions are not very good. Perhaps you've been living in a cardboard box. And all of a sudden, one day, a huge airplane comes and parks right next to your cardboard box. And you're invited in. And it's a luxury plane. And you hop on that plane, and that plane flies you to Pasadena, California. And there's this beautiful home. And you're handed the keys to your section of that home. You talk about a transformation, right? Well, imagine if after some time that plane shows back up again and picks you up and you take that luxury flight back to northwest Iowa. But when you return to northwest Iowa, God has made all things new. And aspects of what you had in Pasadena, California will be now in northwest Iowa, but it'll be even greater than you can imagine. And I use that illustration to help us understand that when we go to heaven, God's going to bring us back to earth because he is going to set things back up to the way they were intended to be. Heaven on earth, without the presence of sin, that fellowship and relationship with him and with others when God makes all things new. I want you to imagine a second flight going from your cardboard box into a commercial airplane, jam-packed, turbulent flight, and it takes you to Alcatraz, the prison. Isolation, torture, pain and agony. And that same plane shows back up years later, picks you up, takes you on another turbulent flight, but that plane takes you straight into a lake of fire. Folks, which flight are you on? To be on the flight to heaven requires a ticket that was punched by Jesus. And whether or not you have Christ in your life makes all the difference about where you'll spend eternity. You know, Brady and I were talking earlier this week. She heard a message from David Jeremiah, and he talked about how people plan and plan and plan for vacations. They go, th they go through all the logistics, all the details, but how much time do people actually spend planning on God's kingdom? How much time do people actually spend planning on the trip they're going to take to heaven? Because Jesus challenges us to think in terms of the kingdom, both now and for what eternity will bring. I want people to be on that flight with me, don't you? And God is saying, I want to use you in bringing more and more people into the kingdom. Because he desires a relationship with them, just like he desires a relationship with us. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in God and trust also in me. 
And then he gives them this promise. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, I am going there to prepare a place for you. Think of that. And the moment that your name gets called up and angels usher you to that place or the moment Christ returns, to know that in our Father's house, He's preparing a place for those who are believers. A few years ago, I was ministering to somebody in our church at a care center. And there was another individual in that care center facility that I knew. They did not attend our church, but I had an acquaintance with them. And their time was running short. They were in a hospice situation. And after I was visiting with the person from our church, I said, there's somebody here that I need to go visit. And um, I came in. I did not really know the other family members that were there. But I introduced myself, and I said, I'm here to just simply pray over your loved one. And at that point, they opened the door, invited me in, and, and I sat next to this individual that was taking some of their deep final breaths, if you've ever been at the bedside of somebody in that situation. And I told him, I said, I'm going to read some scripture to you, and then I'm going to pray. And the passage I chose to read that day was the 23rd Psalm. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. At the very end of that passage, David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when I read that verse, that individual took their last breath. I've never experienced that before, and I've never experienced that since. But I sat there, and there's a part of you that just wonders, what was going on? in the spiritual realm. Do you believe in the promise of heaven? Scripture makes it very clear that's what's awaiting for those who are in Christ. He's preparing a place and he says, I'm going to come back so that you can be where I am and you can know the way. And, and Thomas says, Lord, we don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What you do with Jesus here on this earth determines where you'll spend eternity. You can have many chances to come to know the Lord here on this earth, but when you take your final breath, those chances are gone. There's no redos, there's no rewinds, replays, any of that. I think this helps us understand what Christ saved us from. He wants to spend eternity with you. You were made for a person. That person is Jesus. You were made for a place, and that place is heaven. I believe the Holy Spirit might be speaking to somebody right now, and you're evaluating your own life and thinking, do I have a right relationship with God? I mean, if today was my last day, would I be ushered into heaven? And if you're like, well, I hope so, or I, I wish that were the case, 
I want you to know that you can truly believe and know that your destination is heaven. And it's based off of what you do with Christ. Have you received him? Have you asked for forgiveness of your sin? That is how you gain access to this promise of eternal life. I want to ask that you'd bow your heads with me as we pray together, closing in this response. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the promise of heaven. I thank you for eternal life that's available to us when we receive Jesus Christ into our life. Death is a part of the equation because of sin, and we're all sinners. And we must do something with the issue of sin, which means we need to receive you, Jesus. And if there's someone right now that would desire to receive Christ into their life, I want to invite you to pray with me this prayer right now. Just pray it quietly in your heart and say, Jesus, today I desire to receive you. I desire to receive eternal life. But I realize there's an issue of sin that separates me from you, and I need to ask for forgiveness. So I ask that you would forgive me, cleanse me from my sin, make me new. Today I put my faith and trust in Christ and I receive him as my Lord and Savior by grace through faith. I enter into this relationship now and I look forward to the promise of everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Now with every head bowed and eye closed, I just simply want to ask us here in this moment, if there's somebody that just prayed with me right now to receive Christ, would you just acknowledge that with me simply by lifting your hand up and then placing it right back down? Did you pray that with me? Thank you. Anyone else? Pray that prayer with me. Awesome. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? receiving Christ and this gift of salvation and eternal life. Father, I thank you for those who prayed that prayer of salvation by faith. And Lord, I thank you for that promise of eternal life that's given to all who are believers in Christ. And Lord, we have scriptures that are written for us that are to be an encouragement when we go through difficult times here on this earth when there's struggles and hardships and, and suffering, you bring heaven into view and it gives us hope to keep pressing on. And Father, I pray that this series would be an encouragement to all of us who are walking in a relationship with you and serving in your kingdom. We have the hope of heaven. Help us to bring others into the kingdom so they can come to know you too. We thank you for this now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.